when I was thinking about giving this talk tonight, I kept thinking about the way Gil began his talk the night before last when he said that he wanted to talk about something cool and sweet and then said he was going to talk about non-clinging and everybody kind of chuckled. And in a similar way, tonight I'm going to talk about happiness and something within us that is very sublime, that brings a lot of ease. And the topic is concentration. And I think in a similar way, you know, we don't really associate some of those qualities when we think about concentration. But I want to talk about concentration tonight because it's such a significant part of our practice. You know, our practice both in our retreat here, but also in our daily life. And I think that it doesn't actually get enough mention. And I know for myself, even after many years of practice, it was still not very clear to me what it really meant to be concentrated or what that, I mean, I, I had a sense of the experience of concentration, but I really didn't understand what was actually happening and how it kind of fit into the larger context of what we were doing. It was always something that I associated with intensive practice and it required a lot of effort in the same way that I was talking the last week about wise effort. We have these kinds of associations about what it means to practice concentration. And to a certain extent, it's a very um, efforting and takes, it can be tiring and uh, um, you know, somewhat exhausting when we really try to concentrate our mind. I remembered when I was preparing this talk, I remembered uh, when I did one of my earlier three-month retreats at IMS. It was in the earlier days when there was still a lot more experimentation going on with the, with the form. And in the middle of the three-month retreat, we had one week which was called Concentration Week. And what that meant was that we kind of we went into sort of a, a sashin style where everybody stayed in the hall together and you did 45 minutes of sitting and then you got up, you stood straight up and then you just walked around the room together for half an hour and then sat back down for 45 minutes. And then the bell rang, you got back up, walked around the room for a half hour and then sat down again, and you weren't allowed to leave the room, you know, no breaks for cups of teas or going out and, you know, getting fresh air. It was, you know, very, this was, we were going to really put our nose to the, to the grindstone. And it was hard. <laughs> I remember, I remember, because I wasn't that uh, mature in my practice, and it, oh, it was like, it was the, one of the hardest things I remember ever doing. You know, tr being that disciplined and uh, not be able to, well, I was used to this style of practice, you know, you just kind of go for a walk or, you know, go, you know, sit down outside for a while or take some cups of tea or whatever, go back to your room and lie down. Or, but to really stay with that 
sitting and walking and sitting and walking and with all the emphasis on paying attention and, and staying uh, present in the moment and deepening the concentration was really, felt really, really hard. And so I have that, as I have that association, you know, with, you know, when you really concentrate, that's what you do. And in the beginning also, in the beginning of my uh, uh, practice, most of the first six years of my practice was done in the Mahasi Sayadaw tradition, where you um, are encouraged to note, make a soft mental note of every moment of your experience, moment after moment after moment. So that would mean in, out, in, out, hearing, hearing, sensation, ache, ache. That, so that's maybe the sitting and then standing, standing, lightness, stepping, stepping, and then moving, moving, reaching for the door, touching the doorknob, pushing the door, and just keeping that quality of attention and that fixed attention with the present moment every moment for three months. And it's really quite a remarkable technique to really deepen the quality of mindfulness and concentration because there's very little opportunity where you're very aware when the mind slips off or the mind gets distracted. And so these were, this was a particular style of practice. And some people still are very, um, uh, very much appreciate this style of practice. I've moved on from that. Um, I really think it was useful for those initial stages, and I would encourage anybody to do that at any point. And there's also the possibility of being a bit more open, not using the conceptual note in every moment of, of experience. And so we actually offer that as a, a a technique if you'd like, you know, if it's useful, if you find it helpful, but not something that we put out so strongly. But these kinds of things can really tighten the container, so to speak, really tighten things up for us so that we're really, really there with our experience. But it's not the only way to develop concentration. We don't have to do those kinds of practices to develop concentration, because really, what the Buddha taught in terms of concentration is the Buddha said that concentration is enjoyment. Concent concentration is happiness. And happiness brings together a mind of concentration. So when we are really happy, and when we're at ease, and when we feel a certain contentment or relaxation in ourselves, then the mind also settles. The mind settles naturally. The mind settles in a very kind of easeful way, it just wants to be here. When we feel happy, and we feel restful, we feel at ease, we, we don't really want to go anywhere else. You know, the mind isn't reaching out for other experiences and other things to happen and needing some kind of uh, 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 somewhere to go in our practice. So we just relax and we can be here 
we can be here what's with what's happening. This quality of easefulness and a quality of contentment, contentment with what is, is a concentrated mind. It's a quality of a concentrated mind. When we think about concentration, when we, when we shift the way we think about it from that way of having to go out after the object of the breath or the walking sensations or, or the, the thoughts or the experience we're having, when we, when we shift out of that way of thinking that we're kind of going after something and then landing on it and kind of having to fix it and stay present with it, that's a, that's a different, I'm not sure that there's the most helpful way of thinking about concentration. I think really as we start to sense into what it really is, we might start to have a quality, more of a quality of that relaxing. And it's not an experience necessarily of relaxing. We, we want to be careful not to get caught with the way that that actually looks or feels. It's more of an inner relaxation that isn't fighting or in conflict or struggling with the way things are. It's that kind of inner relaxation where it's more of a, has a quality of allowing or accepting or, or maybe even a receptive quality where we can allow things to be the way they are and then kind of settle or rest with that without the, the agitation or the conflict with what is. It's that quality then that brings us right into the present moment. And then because we have a certain contentment or ease there, we're able to sustain that mindful presence. And as we sustain that mindful presence, over some time the mind gets more concentrated. The word concentrate actually comes from the Latin word concentrum. If you break that down, con means together, centrum means center. So to bring together in the center, to bring or draw together in a common center, or to move to the center. So when we think about concentration, all we're doing is really collecting the scattered or the dispersed aspects of our mental stream into a center of presence. We're collecting. Concentration means just to collect, to come together in one place. Usually when we first come into a retreat, and you'll be able to reflect on this for yourself, we are filled with lots of stuff, you know, from all the things that happened in the recent past and the, all things we have to do when we leave and, and things that happened and the way we're processing things and the ways things are moving through us. And, and the mind can be moving all over the place. And we don't feel very settled. We don't feel very settled at all when we first come, and it can take some days and different time for different people before we start to settle. 
And when the mind is scattered like this, going from here to there, it's very restless and worried and concerned and, and going to past and future, there's not much concentration in the mind. This is an unconcentrated mind. And the Buddha compares this to a flapping about of a fish <laughs> taken from the water and thrown on dry land. <laughs> and I think that's really a good metaphor. I, I love, I think many times when I read the Buddha's um, similes or metaphors, they're, they're, I like to break them down because the words are just so specific. You know, when you think about a flapping about of a fish, you know, you really can sense that kind of experience in yourself, you know. It, it, you see a flapping going, it, it jumps around on the shore, too. It's flapping all over the place. But it, it's taken from the water and thrown on dry land. You know, not moist land, it's dry, <laughs> kind of barren. No moisture, no nourishment. And, and, and the mind is just rushing from idea to idea. There's no control. The, the mind is out of control. We're out of control. We can feel that sometimes. And then when, when, we f when we're out of control in this way, then, then it's said that the mind is prey to the hindrances. It's prey to the defilements of mind. It, it's more likely to fall into states of aversion and, and greed and restlessness and, and doubt, because the mind's just moving all over. There's, there's not really a settledness of the mind. So we come to retreat, and the first thing we do is we practice a systematic kind of, 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 of returning, returning, returning back. We start with one object. Yes, we, when we, we started this retreat this month, we encourage you to come back just to the breath. Just anchor into the breath, if you can, and if not, using some other objects like the sound or, or body, just to help that returning to the one-pointedness of concentration, to help bring the mind together, to collect the mental stream of, of the of, of mind. And so we, we use this systematic returning to one object, or sometimes we say subject, one subject of the meditation. This can be the breath. It can be counting the breaths, one to ten, and then back to one again. It can be just when we walk, feeling the sensations of the feet again and again, just pressure, density, uh, heaviness, lightness as we walk, returning the mind back again and again. Sometimes we use metta. Metta is a wonderful subject of meditation. Returning the mind back just to the phrases again and again. It's a concentration practice. This morning, when we were sitting at 9 uh, o'clock, uh, when we had a visit by the turkeys, I first heard the sound out further away, and it was this kind of chattering sound. I, I, I start, my mind was trying to make some kind of sense out of it. I thought it was some kind of bird being attacked, or there's some animal in the woods. You know how you start making associations. And then, and then as the sounds got closer and closer, the same kind of uh, chattering, low tone of sound, and then that kind of, you know, the wings on the, on the cement, you know, and then that chattering, 
And, and it really, I started listening so carefully as I recognized it was the turkeys. And my mind just stayed so with those sounds, just the sounds. There was no more turkeys. You know, just that was the changing orchestration of the sound. And I just found myself going into this very deep concentration because my mind wasn't moving. It was just right there with the sound. No movement anywhere else in any other experience. It was so interesting. There was a level of interest. There was a level of happiness. There was a level of gladness. It was all this joy was just coming in this concentration. My mind wasn't moving anywhere into past or future. So it really doesn't matter what subject we're taking for our meditation. What the concentration means is that we're right there. There's a fixedness of the attention. Even though the, uh, the object might be having some changing nature, there's just that settledness right on that sound, on bare hearing in this case. When the mind is, so then when we settle, if we see it, I mean, everybody here, no matter what you're going through, whether you have emotional um, upheavals or whether you feel settled in yourself, I have a sense that everybody here has developed some level of concentration. And I, I hear it as I, as I sit with people in the interviews. There's a, a quality of mind that is much more settled, much more still, that is able to be with experience the way it is. And so as the mind starts to collect, starts to come together, be more settled, the Buddha compares this to a clear mirror-like pond, unruffled by any breeze, a pond that faithfully reflects what is placed before it, can see things just as they are. And again, a beautiful image, this mirror-like image, mirror-like pond of the mind. Because what happens is the mind starts to settle and collects in this way. It becomes very sharp. It becomes very clear. It becomes very bright. And it becomes a very powerful instrument for us, for our investigation and our inquiry. And this is really the point. The point is so that we can really sharpen this tool of our mind as we settle and we get more clear and we can, so we can see things as they are. See what's happening in our experience. Be able to be more present for what's happening with this kind of mirror-like quality of consciousness that can actually reflect back. See more clearly than it can when the mind is moving in all different kinds of directions and grabbing onto all different kinds of things hindered by thoughts of past and future. and uh, Not that having thoughts of past and futures has to be a hindrance, but it depends how caught up we are in them. Because if we're caught up, then we don't have access to this mirror-like quality of mind, the mindful, concentrated mind that can see things clearly, that can see things moving and how they're moving and how they feel and what's actually happening in our experience. 
So we want to really develop this instrument. And we develop it no matter <coughs> what, what is happening. It gives us a kind of, um, it gives us a kind of refuge in a way. Because as the mind becomes more settled, we actually have somewhere to return back to. We have a sense of returning. We have a sense of being able to rest into the experience more completely. And it actually gives us a kind of a safety, you know, a sense of safety in ourselves, almost a protection, like a refuge, because we're not being pulled all over here and there. So not only does it give us the ability to be able to see our experience much more clearly, it also gives us a place to rest in ourselves. It's a very different way of thinking about concentration and what we gain from concentration. Concentration can be developed in two methods of practice, which I want to say just a little bit about just for some uh, understanding around our practices. One is called uh, um, samatha bhavana, which means the development of serenity or the development of calm, which we gain through concentration. When we just practice returning the mind back to one point again and again and again and again, so concentration practices like just focusing on the breath, or metta, just coming back to the phrases of metta again and again and again. Also practices of uh, mantra, where people repeat mantras over in the mind again and again, just returning back. Or um, sometimes a candle flame, or any kind of a practice that keeps the mind concentrated. This kind of practice allows for very deep states of uh, unified consciousness to happen. And you can go into very deep levels of, of concentration, all the way into what's called the jhanas, or the states of absorption. There's some people here who are exploring these kind of deep states of, of, of concentration through this practice of shamatha. And it's different from vipassana, in that with Vipassana, we really open to the whole diverse changing nature of phenomena. We're not trying to narrow or isolate the field of attention to one point. We're not isolating or cutting out other aspects of our experience, but with Vipassana, we stay in an open state where we allow all the experience of mind, body, sensations, sight, sounds, taste, smell, touch, everything to arise and pass. And then the mind is directed to these changing uh, experiences. And we stay steady, we stay present with the changes that are happening through the mind and the body, the emotions, the experiences. And the task in the Vipassana is to maintain a continuous awareness by keeping the attention with what's happening, returning the attention back, focusing the attention again and again into that changing nature of experience. And because of this returning quality, again and again, every time we get lost or distracted or we're, 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 we're not with the present, this returning quality is what develops the concentration in the Vipassana. So we would call that mindful 
concentration. The mindfulness and the concentration come together in our practice. Or we can call it concentrated mindfulness. It's still a very, very wonderful way to develop concentration in our practice. The important thing is that we actually need to develop this concentration because this is really what gives us our, our ground in a way. This is what allows us to have some stability in ourselves as we start to open to this diverse, changing uh, nature that we are exploring. If we didn't have some kind of a stability in ourselves, then we would be pulled into all these different sights and sounds and feelings and emotions and thoughts and past and future and past all the way to the time we were children or, you know, time we're going to die, you know, expanding the whole expanse of time. I mean, where do you rest in that? I mean, we have to have a place. This is really what makes our practice possible, is this development of concentration. We have to have a ground. We have to have something firm. And this is the concentration gives us the container, gives us a containment to hold us, to keep us kind of fixed, not in a, in a, in a, in a, a negative way, not in a closed way or a withdrawn way from everything that's happening, but more in a, a holding way. It holds us stable. I was talking to um, Andrea, Andrea um, today about just exploring um, concentration in relationship to Vipassana, and we had a really wonderful conversation. And Andrea came up with this wonderful metaphor, which I want to share with you. We were talking about the having uh, the, the, the need for concentration when we have a lot going on, and we have a lot going on. There's a lot of you that are, you know, cooking. You know, we really use that metaphor. And Andrea said, you know, it's kind of like um, if we think of ourselves as a, 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 a covered pot of boiling water. Mm-hmm. And, and we could, we have a choice in a way to pay attention to either the pot or the boiling water all the steam that's coming out of the pot. Mm -hmm. And in a way, the pot represents that containment, you know, the the, the concentration in a way, that which is holding the water. It holds it from spilling out all over the place. But yet the steam is still spurting out, you know, from the the lid on the pot. And, And if we can settle in to the sturdiness, or the, the steadiness of the concentration, in a way, that settledness gives us some relief from having to deal with all the spurts of steam that are going all over the place. It's like by that shift of attention into the, into the sturdiness, into the settledness, we can get some relief from the conditions of ourself the way the self wants to express itself, all in these different ways. Just, it's not that we have to do this, but at least we can have a choice to do that. 
We can just say, perhaps we can say, not now to all those spurts of steam. They're, they're, they're blowing, <laughs> wanting to make themselves seen, but we just say, not now. And it's possible to just keep settling back into the breath, back into the body, maybe into the walking, maybe into the metta, into the sounds, finding a place where we can settle in our mind, just to have some refuge, just sometimes to have a break. You know, I think we need to have a choice. When, when the conditions of our, of our uh, life experience, of our past, of our, of our future start really shaking us and dragging us all around, having the uh, uh, understanding and the awareness of some refuge in our own mind is vital. Some place, the place might not be the right metaphor, but you know, somewhere, some, some, some place that we can settle into ourselves to touch into some inner quiet. And it might be, as I said, as I think the metaphor is really good, you know, it's still, it's not that the pot has stopped boiling. It's still boiling, but yet there's a possibility of being able to shift the awareness, the attention to something that feels a little more workable, a little bit more manageable. And in, in, in we, can, uh, we, we, we go to places within ourselves that are more neutral than all that very heated and charged material that might be going on. We have, we have a way to go into a, uh, our breath, perhaps as a neutral place in our body, or our hands, just, just feeling our hands and our, our arms. Maybe just feeling our feet on the ground. Just taking that pause, taking some breaths. I, when I was reflecting on this, I was just aware of, for me, the breath and having access to my breath and being able to breathe down into my belly and feel a ground down in my belly is probably the most important tool that I have for my survival. And I really make that point strongly because I don't know how I would be able to cope with the challenges of life, which don't stop when you're teaching a retreat. You know, it's not like, you know, we're on retreat as well. You know, there's a lot of challenges. And to be able to have that refuge of being able to calm my mind, bring a certain quality of of tranquility through the sustaining of my attention on my breath, or bringing it down into my belly and feeling my hora, which Tija has been teaching you about, down, the, down in the fleshy part of the belly. And sometimes I just breathe heavily and deeply. I just breathe out through my mouth and let all the energy go down into my belly and feel my ground of my being and sustain that attention for some period of time, 20 minutes, sometimes a half an hour, sometimes for 45 minutes. And my mind settles and there's a certain strength that arises through that settling. There's a certain um, satisfaction that comes from that settling because I'm not caught up in all the storylines of what's going on, and, and all the storylines of who I am, and who other people are, and what's going on. It's just a place to retreat 
an inner retreat, through this practice of concentration. And I think it's helpful to think of it as concentration because it is a stilling of the mind stream. It's a way we can collect that. We have the choice, we have the, the capacity, the ability to be able to do that. This is what we're practicing, this is what we're developing, this is what we're cultivating. It helps us find our ground. And we might, the thought might arise that this is a kind of repression, you know, that, well, but what about all this stuff that's going on? If I'm not following it and paying attention to it and giving it all, you know, this inquiry, investigation, then isn't this just suppressing, repressing this informa- this, this, um, ex- these experiences that will just have to come up later? But I'm not sh- I, d- I don't think it's a form of repression because we're actually making a choice. And I think it's not repression, particularly if we're using it in combination with the um, insight and the mindful practice, so that we were moving back and forth. Sometimes we use the, the concentration, sometimes we open out, we use more investigation and inquiry, more mindfulness and openness. Sometimes we get overwhelmed, it's too much, too strong, then we have a a place to come back to. We can still the mind, concentrate the mind, steady the mind. So we're using wisdom. There's a wisdom in making this choice. It's using it skillfully. It can be used unskillfully. Certainly, concentration can be used to repress. There There is evidence of that. But we, we want to bring as much understanding as we can to this so that we, we begin to understand how to use this skillfully, so that we're, 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 we're grounding ourselves, we're concentrating the stillness of the mind so that we're actually recharging ourselves, we're actually finding a balance within ourselves, we're actually nurturing ourselves so that we can open up again, so that we can be there for the, the difficult Um, aspects that we're dealing with. We need to have the ground. And it's a very powerful way of working with ourselves. Sometimes we might be, through the practice of concentration and the connection with this deep inner refuge, we may find a place within ourselves that is so content and so sweet and so peaceful that we don't want to leave so often. Why go back into all the stuff? You know, if we really start to find this refuge within ourselves, more and more we want to rest there. We want to go there. It's a way of, 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 of finding our inner home, finding the place that we truly long to be. because the innate nature of our mind is concentrated. It is awake. It is mindful. It is already peaceful. And so when we touch this part of ourselves, we're touching that which is true. It is our our true nature. It It is how we are in our natural state. We touch into this unmovingness of the mind. 
And it's not an unmovingness of the mind that is opposite of the swirling activity of life. Both are there at the same time. And the, the, what the, the, the metaphor that I love, and it, it, it's, it's, it's so true in my own experience, is the, is when, is the image of the, um, the tornado and the eye in the tornado. It's a very powerful image for me because what is more powerful and more strong and more chaotic and, and destructive than the tornado? And yet, inside, it is absolutely still. It is a vacuum that is unmoving inside of the tornado. And it moves with the tornado. And in, a, in the same way, it is the same with us. We have that still, silent, peaceful, empty, we might say, or concentrated, or full, whatever images, metaphors work for you, right in our core of our being. And as we touch more and more into this and know this and cultivate this awareness, it is our ground. It is what holds us and allows us to move into life more and more, to meet life more and more, more and more courageously, with more strength, with more bearing. So as we touch this concentration in ourselves, we are actually touching our own nature. We are, we are, we are touching into the strength of our own being, the power of our own being. This is a very powerful instrument, this concentrated, awake mind. It's very, very powerful. And you are that. We are that. So we want to see if we can find this natural resting place for the mind. This is part of our practice here. We encourage this settling. Everything here encourages the settling, but not the settling for an end in itself, but so that we can meet life. We can meet life in the way that it's showing up. And we never know what's going to show up. We could be going along, you know, you, we hear about this in the you know, you're going along, everything's fine, the concentration's getting deep, the mind's getting bright. And then you go and sit, and wham, something gets hit, mind drops feel dull, tired, doubt arises, just changes. Can we be there for that? Is there enough of the sort of the stable aspect of mind to be able to hold that? Say, okay, now that's what's happening. We stay there, we stay there, we see if we can open to it, not move away, not get too judgmental, not get too distracted, and then it opens again. 
And we find ourselves in these waves of practice, up and down and up and down and up and down. That in itself can be pretty tiring, pretty exhausting. But the strength that you are developing, the power of mind that you are developing, is, is invaluable, it's priceless for meeting life and maybe meeting life with a certain, I even want to say with a certain contentment. Because we've had people who have come into interviews and said, the most amazing thing is happening. Even though I'm going through all this suffering, there's a kind of joy that I feel. Or even though I'm going through all this pain, there's, there's kind of a peace that I feel behind it all or within it all. How amazing. Imaho, they say in the Tibetan tradition. How amazing that even in the midst of it all, that something starts to permeate through, which actually feels quite sweet. then we start to rest more and more into the sweetness. The sweetness of who we are no matter what's happening. We begin to relax and let it all unfold. Ajahn Suchito, one of the wonderful monks in England, the Amavati Monastery, says, Samadhi, or concentration, is the art of refined enjoyment. It is the careful collecting of oneself to the joy of the present moment. The careful collecting of oneself to the joy of the present moment. And it's not, doesn't mean that the present moment is necessarily going to be experienced as joyful. But when we collect ourselves here, that contact with ourselves in the present moment is the greatest joy that we can have because we're here. We're here. We're awake. And there is nothing better than that. So let's sit for a moment or two.
Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.